Welcome to this episode of Women to Women podcast. Our guest today is Ellen Kapilov. She is an executive in supply chain and has worked for companies starting with Agility Logistics, Ralph Lauren, Tory Burch, Nike, Peloton, and now Lacoste. Hi, Ellen. Welcome to our podcast, Women to Women. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you are a visit supply chain, and yeah. that's a great area of discussion. Um, not a lot of women in supply chain. So this is extremely interesting. A new career option for a lot of girls out there graduating. Uh, and it has been the buzzword for the past two years, especially given COVID. Unfortunately, I have been. <laughs> But hey, yeah. you, you're all famous now. Anybody in supply chain. We're all famous. Yeah, people want to know, oh my God, like, you know, how does it work? Until you start, keep getting things, you know, at your door, you don't, really don't care. The minute it stops, you're like, what's going on? What's happening? So, That's right. Great area of interest. So let's start um, from the beginning. So you basically started working in a warehouse. That was your first job? It was. I, um, I was not a supply chain major. Um, back, I'll date myself when I went to college. That wasn't a major. It is today. I started as a business analyst at a freight forwarding company and I didn't know what supply chain was. I needed a job. A couple of people took pity on me that are still mentors today to me. And, and they said to me in a meeting, the way you're really going to learn this and understand how product flows is to do it. And so they sent me to College Park, Georgia, which is right by the Atlanta airport to their warehouse. And I did pick and pack. And I worked for a spa account wearing white gloves to pick and pack all the product. Um, And they put me in kind of a rotational program from the warehouse to gateway to inbound, outbound, um, customer service, account management. And that's really how I learned what supply chain was and how product flowed all over the world. Wow. Talk about on-the-job training. On-the-job training. Yes. So you did not go into school or even at high school level. That was not what you wanted to do. Clearly, supply chain is wasn't even a major, wasn't yeah. even on the horizon. So you wanted to do something very specific with CNN. Let's talk a little yes. bit about that. I wanted to be a war correspondent for CNN. Um, when I was in high school and when I was in college, we joined the Iraq war. And I went to college at Quinnipiac University, the Ed McMahon School of Broadcasting. I wanted to study in Beijing. I was ready. And during that time, my sophomore year, September 11th happened. Previously before that, Daniel Pearl, who was a correspondent, was beheaded. And it became a little too real for me. Um, and so I, cha- I quickly changed majors to a business major because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had this dream for years. And so I was a business major for a bit. And then I was a legal studies major. I was going to be a litigator. Uh, You could ask my parents. They think I'm pretty good at arguing with them still to this day. And so I have a legal studies major. It's ABA approved paralegal. So I spent three years doing contracts at a big law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And I hated it. And so I I kind of floundered around and wound up in supply chain. This supply chain happened through your networking, your personal networking. I, uh, my whole family's in supply chain. 
it's a little funny. My father, my brother-in-law, my sister, we have the same network. Um, we're all in supply chain. And I was fortunate that my dad was able to help put my resume that had zero experience in front of somebody who needed some cheap labor. <laughs> and here I am. See, but it's a start. And I think that's such a yeah. critical lesson. Sometimes you should take roles, even if they're low paying, if it gets you where you want to be. Absolutely. I mean, especially in the younger part of my career, that was when I took the biggest risks, the jobs that challenged me the most, that were 100% out of my comfort zone, that had me moving all over the country, just to gain that experience that got me to where I am today. And you also mentioned, you know, you did move quite a bit. How did that mobility help you just in terms of your career progression and also in terms of your development of your perspective? You know, I grew up a lot when I was younger because um, my father was in chain and my sister and I joke that we get the moving itch if we're somewhere too long it it makes you very agile and so moving I've moved across the country a couple of times and it really put family into perspective as well as priorities um, for instance I was in Oregon during the height of the pandemic while my family was on the east coast and so I was away from them for two and a half years. And it really put what's important into perspective, as I think it did for a lot of people. But it's an adventure. And you don't get that opportunity often. So I would tell anybody, pack up and go. You can always come back, right? You can always get a return ticket. That is so true, though. Not a lot of people think in that terms. So along the way, did you seek out mentors, allies, sponsors? And how did you even find these people. I did. And I still talk to my mentors today from when I first started. Um, and I've had luck with having both male and female mentors. Some of them were leaders I worked for. Some of them were leaders that I knew within the industry. And it's, it's a little uncomfortable the first time you ask somebody to be your mentor, I think it was for me at least, but I've done it a few times and it's always a win-win. It's always nice to put a situation in perspective. Am I being too emotional about something? Am I taking it personally or did the, the project just not go as planned for whatever reason? I go to a lot of conferences now. I meet new people. I'm always trying to expand my portfolio of contacts, but I've had the same five mentors my entire career who also keep me in check, which is great. In talking about, you know, attending conferences, building your network, women hesitate to really reach out, build that network. Yep. How have you really kept that going? And did you also face those inhibitions to begin with? And what helped you overcome those? Yeah, I mean, it's nerve wracking, especially in the beginning of my career. I made 20 something year old at a shipping conference where everyone looks like they could be my parent and I'm supposed to talk to them about business. And it, it is, it's nerve wracking. And I wish I could have told my younger self to just have a little more confidence and why I was there and why my company sent me to represent them there. That is true. But talking about, you know, advice for younger self, anything else you would also tell, like if you had two pieces of advice for your younger self, what would those be? One would be definitely 
confidence, what would something yep. else be? I would say what is very important and still something I think people struggle with today is know your non-negotiables. What does that mean? Um, there's just some things you shouldn't stand for and you have to say, okay, I have to work for a company that stands for things I stand for, or I have to work for a leader who builds me up and provides feedback when needed and is my champion behind closed doors. Me personally, I am a Jewish female, which growing up in the South was not, I was always one of the few at work. And as we're in the most um, religious part of our calendar with the Jewish New Year upon us, we take days off from work. I would not take days off from work. Not that companies or my leaders would not allow me is because I personally felt like I would miss something. I wouldn't be a team player if I chose to celebrate the Jewish New Year or whatever holiday it was. Um, that's no longer the case. Those are non-negotiables for me. Um, and so I, I would tell myself, have your non-negotiables, have a little more confidence and be comfortable challenging yourself. Those are actually some great points. Sometimes knowing what you don't want to give up is more important than knowing what you want. Right, exactly. Looking back, are there certain values that have really helped you navigate tough decisions in your life? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was raised to speak up for others if they can't. I would say my team would tell me that I am pretty transparent and fact-driven. And so those are values that I continue throughout my career. I would also say leading with empathy. I think now more than ever over the past three years, it's been hard. It doesn't matter what your, what your situation was, right? Whether you have a family or kids or alone, it was hard for everybody. And so it put a lot in perspective and and there's a job to do, but people are people. And so really leading with empathy and trying to understand um, people's situations, those are the values that are really important. Looking back at your career, have there been instances where you had to kind of face naysayers and you're like, what do I do about it at that point? But now looking back, you have great solutions. We all do, right? Hindsight is 2020. Oh. And then you're like, oh my God, I could have done that. I could have done this. What would some of those things be? So in operations, it's still a male dominated industry and supply chain to this day. We are working hard to have more female representation in our organizations at all different levels. In hindsight, I would have been a little less um, emotional with the naysayers. I took a lot of criticism very personally about projects, about my work, about things I wore. It was a very different environment than I think where we are today and how we're a little more acceptable for a more casual wear. Um, but people definitely were very critical and I took it very personally. And so in hindsight, I could have talked to a mentor, talked to a peer or an ally, and I didn't do that. And so I just internalized it, which 
I do not recommend. What was your biggest mistake or failure, perceived failure? Because a lot of times it's not such a big failure. At that point in time, you feel that was your biggest failure. And how did that really have an impact on your life and your career? Just one. Only one. <laughs> you have more. Failure. Go for it. <laughs> I would say my biggest failure would be that I would... I would show my frustration and I was more critical of myself than any other manager I've ever had to a point where I would get very upset and I would cry in the office about something that I look back now and I'm like, wow, that it doesn't matter. You know, when you put perspective in place and even what the issue was does not matter. And so I, I had a very good mentor who is still a mentor today that would remind me to remove the emotion. Like, what is the issue? How do you course correct it? How do you make sure it doesn't happen again? Remove the emotion. You're not a terrible person. This was not the right choice. And so I repeat that often to myself, but I definitely got upset a lot at work and let it show. So somebody starting new in this field who's really passionate about supply chain wants to make it in this field. What would you suggest they start? Are there certain kind of roles, responsibilities that they should focus on so they can succeed more in this career path? Yeah, I would tell somebody to take a role, even if you don't think it's right for you. Supply chain is so broad. It's merchandising, it's planning, it's operations, transportation. Try a couple of different avenues. You'll learn very quickly what you like, what you don't like, what you're good at. Um, that's what I did. I've done a lot of different supply chain roles, different projects with different companies. And it really let me focus on where my interest was, where I want to continue and grow upon very quickly. And so I would say, don't hesitate to take something that will challenge you and that you haven't thought of. Also, if there are certain kind of roles that people should take as an intern, you know, sales jobs, certain kind of jobs that really prepared you for life, not just for a role, not just for a specific function, but certain roles that you have taken maybe through side jobs, internships, growing up, that you thought really built you up to be successful, especially yeah. as a woman leader. What would those roles be? I would say those roles would be anything in front of people, whether it's a customer service role, working at a restaurant. I worked at The Gap in high school. I worked on the denim wall every weekend. And that was me folding pants. Um, it put me in front of customers. It put it made me understand who the market was. It actually taught me about shipping and receiving because I managed the back of house as well. Although at the time I didn't think it would connect in my future. I would say people focus because in any job you're going to collab with people. You're going to have to work in groups, people from all over the world, different backgrounds, different experience, and that's the only way to be successful. That's right after my heart. I say the same thing. Yeah. You know, you have to be customer facing. You have to yeah. have those tough conversations because sometimes those are the conversations that really shape you. Negotiation, yeah. it teaches you so many skills in different ways. Absolutely. And there's internal customers within your business and external customers. And so you have to know how to work with both. Another key skill required negotiation, which... Yes. We all feel women are not that great at, especially no. when, it, when it comes to ourselves, we don't negotiate hard enough. We don't negotiate for most of the things we want or we deserve. Yep. How did you navigate that? I will tell you that I 
am very fortunate. In the beginning of my career, my father would help. I would review job offers with him. And and he would help me see that, yes, on paper, this is your job description. But you're going to be asked to do other things. And what's the value of your time? And somebody who worked in corporate America for his whole career would keep pushing me to say, nope, you're, you need to do more. You need to put yourself first in what your non-negotiables are because you're going to be working these long hours. Is that okay for you to work these long hours? That's how you're going to learn this. So you have to pay your dues. What are you worth? He really helped me to understand what my value was. You're very fortunate to have somebody like I you. am. Not everybody yes. does. Yes, I, I did not take it for granted at all. <laughs> you mentioned, you know, this is a very male-dominated industry. Yeah. Did you have instances where you had to face typical perceptions about women? And how did you overcome those? I did. Um, I still do. I still do today. I, you know, I've been told, wow, you don't really see females in operation. Wow, you don't really see females in supply chain. And so it's, it's a new industry that's been around forever, but it's new for females. Most colleges today offer it as a major, and it's really important to hold your own and be prepared. Um, and what I mean by that is when I have a meeting with a vendor, when I have a meeting with other peers, I like to know exactly what I'm walking into. So I do my homework. And I it's important to anticipate what the questions will be and what people want to know. And so it's me prepping for my homework. It's almost like a class. Um, because I do I think women have to work still have to work that much harder to make sure that people understand in these in these industries where men still dominate, we belong at the table just as much. On the same note, we do make some mistakes, right? Throughout and we Absolutely. see other women making them and then you cringe, you're like, oh my God, no. What are some of those mistakes that we should avoid? I would say, and I do this, um, I've done it four times today, if I think back on it, so I'll cringe a bit. We tend to do some self-deprecating humor about ourselves. Um, and I think it's natural to kind of break the ice. And I do that myself. We are in these roles for a reason. We're qualified. We are leading these teams and showing young women that they have just as much opportunity as we do, as long as you put the work in. Um, and even to go further than us. And so I would say we need to walk in with confidence. I'm taking my own advice right now. I should take notes. Leave the self-deprecation at the door and pick it up when you go for a happy hour with your friends. A little known fact about you, right? You do yeah. not like public speaking, but no. you do a lot of it. I do, so, yeah. So how did you overcome that first public speaking and what keeps you going despite you not loving it? Yeah, I, I despise it. I hate it. Um, if I had my wish, I'd walk in my office and do my work and talk to the team and go home. It's one of those things that you have to do, especially as you build your career. Took some public speaking classes. In addition to that, I started doing stand-up comedy, which is not a known fact, but now it will be. Um, <laughs> because who better to share my journey with than some strangers? and nobody's more critical than a stranger who doesn't know you that you're trying to make laugh. And I still do it today. I take comedy classes. Um, and the classes I take, they set you up as like opening acts. 
at some random bars and restaurants and they either like you or they don't and you know very quickly and so it, it definitely helps with with the pressure it is so much harder to make somebody laugh than cry it's easy to That's make right. somebody cry <laughs> <laughs> yes you're absolutely right um it's it's not an easy task that these comedians and actors and actresses do but it's definitely helped me with self-confidence and how I speak and project myself and also maybe a little therapy on the side. So then we should be able to walk into some restaurant or pub in New York City and hear you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the day, perhaps. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll keep a close tab on where you're performing. Next time I'm there, you're going to see me in the audience. I would love that. I would love that. This has been such a great conversation. And thank you so much for sharing so many awesome um, advice and great experiences with our listeners. Any closing comments? No, I appreciate you having me as a guest. And I think this type of podcast is so important now more than ever. I would tell any of our listeners to say, take the challenge, take the risk. And if you fail, then you fail but you won't have any regret. And if there is an opportunity where you would need to move or relocate or put yourself in a different position, take it. You can always return. You can always go back to where you started, but you might surprise yourself. That is so true. On, on, on that note, we just moved. That is great advice. But thank you so much, Ellen. It, this was really great. Um, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate being on here. Thank you for having me.